We've been off for a while. Syracuse football preseason camp is underway. There's questions surrounding that. There's questions that have fallen through the cracks of the last month. So what better way to answer questions than hitting up the Twitter sphere, hitting up the YouTube comments, and putting together a mailbag episode to get us through your Locked On Syracuse Thursday. We've got takes today. We've got a record prediction for Q's basket or for Q's football, and we explore an absolute gauntlet of a non-conference schedule for Syracuse basketball. It might be the toughest non-conference slate that I can remember in recent history. Let's get into it. Let's dive in. It's your Locked On Syracuse Thursday. You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up? What's happening? Happy Thursday, Syracuse fans. And thank you so much for making Lockdown Syracuse your first listen today and every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your boy OV here, Owen Valentine, talking with you on this beautiful-ish Thursday in central New York, answering a few of your questions uh, from Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse, from the YouTube comments, or from whatever other means you guys were able to reach out to me. We got four questions that we'll be hitting on today, uh, three main ones, and then one that sort of slides in, uh, I think, pair hand in hand in terms of the SU basketball floor and then that non-conference slate that pairs alongside it. But before that, we start. We go to Twitter. We go to football because preseason camp started up yesterday. You're starting to see some videos, starting to be able to piece together a little bit of info about this team. How's Schrader's arm? Uh, Who can do this? Who's taking backup reps? Things like that. You're going to start to see some answers find their way uh, to the top of your Twitter pages, your whatever, your your news articles, whatever you see. You're going to start to see these things piece themselves together. Today we start out with an early question. It's too early for me to want to really stamp the official number on there for me. But it is something that we will take a look at, and it is from Rob Boris at rboris9 on Twitter. The Syracuse football record prediction as of now, and that is where we start. So we take a look at the schedule because in many ways, it is a a simple schedule for Syracuse. Uh, you, You were able to get some relatively lucky draws in terms of the conference opponents that you play, especially in the latter portion of your schedule. But simultaneously, you've got an absolute three-week gauntlet as you go Clemson, North Carolina, Florida State, back to back to back uh, with no bye week right there. It's a tough stretch. Uh, so there are there are parts of this schedule that are very easy. And, and I feel like that's a good sign for Syracuse and something that they need and can benefit from. But at the same time, there are some very, very tough stretches, and one specific. Uh, Fortunately for Syracuse, I will say this, I think they're lucky in terms of the timing of that stretch, that it is your first three ACC games, because I feel like we've seen your your tougher games, your, your games where you need that size, your games where you need everyone healthy in recent years, oftentimes towards the back of the schedule. 
And this time around, they are your first three games in ACC play, which means you're going to, in theory, have your healthiest roster out there, have the most tools at your disposal, right? You're four weeks into the season at that point. So you figured out some things. You figured out that offense, the defense. You can expand on the playbook at that point in time. And now you've got the ability to play your toughest three games back to back to back, but with your healthiest team possible. So let's take a look at the schedule. Uh, week one, they open up with Colgate. I cannot imagine they lose to Colgate. That puts them at 1-0. Week two, back at the Dome against Western Michigan. I think that puts them at 2-0. Right? That's, that's an easy start for Syracuse, is a 2-0 against Colgate and Western Michigan. Those are games you have to win uh, with the four, three, or the whatever it is, the four games uh, in the non-conference slate, uh, and two of them being relatively tough. You need those two games. You got to start 2-0. and I think they can do it. And then you go into the rematch of what could have been Syracuse's most exciting game of last season, and that was the game against Purdue in the Dome. Now, I will say this. Purdue lost that football game more than Syracuse won. Rondé Gadsden, Garrett Schrader make a hell of a play down the stretch. It was an exciting game. Syracuse kept coming back, clawing their way back in. But the way Syracuse played in the first half uh, and the way Purdue played as a whole, um, they, they gave Syracuse that game, I will say. I will also say this. They're probably going to want their revenge. They're a decent football program. They're a strong team. Uh, and they're going to want there's that sour taste out of their mouth. That's a tough game for Syracuse. Where do they fall in that one? I, I do think it's a toss-up in, in the eyes of many people um, because of, you know, Syracuse being who they are, having, unfortunately for them, not the greatest recruiting class I've ever seen. They do not bring in better recruits or better transfer portal guys than they lost. I will throw that out there. This is a team that is, it has some returners in valuable spots at quarterback, at tight end slash receiver on that D line. They've got value where you need value, but there are a lot of question marks at this point in time. And I, I can't deny that. So here's, here's my prediction in that one. I, I, I would say, that Syracuse loses this one. Uh, that's going to be my 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 first take. So they're two and one now, uh, with a loss to Purdue. I will give them a win against Army. I think they can do that. Uh, I, I think they can do it. They can lose that game without question. Army is a team that can beat Syracuse. Syracuse struggled um, against the run last season. Uh, and that's something that they could do again this time around without question. But I'll give them that. That puts them at three and one. Then you get to the gauntlet, the Clemson, UNC, Florida State back to back to back. I am in no mood to go bold here. They lose all three of those. They are now three and four on the season, which is okay. And then you've got five ACC games remaining. Virginia Tech, Boston College, Pitt. Georgia Tech, Wake Forest. Now, the ACC preseason rankings came out with uh, a, a number of the media members voting, uh, including Syracuse.com's Emily Liker, uh, amongst many others. I think there were over 100 and something votes or voters in that. Syracuse was picked to finish 10th. There's four teams below Syracuse. Fortunately for Syracuse, 
They play three of the four teams ranked below them in this last five-game stretch. That's Virginia Tech, that's Boston College, and that is Georgia Tech. Wake Forest is the team above them. I, I look at this stretch, and it's really easy, which I think is very good for Syracuse in terms of being able to snag a few wins. So they're three and four at this point in time. I think they can beat Virginia Tech. Yeah, that's a close one. I think they can beat BC. This Boston College team is not good. I think you can beat BC. So I'll even say in the, I think they go six and six. There's the thought. They're three and four. Can they win three of these last five? I think so. I think they can win three of the five against Virginia Tech, Boston College, Pitt, GT, and Wake Forest to get to six and six. Is there a way for them to do better? Yes. Is there a way for them to do worse? Very much so. But I think my prediction right now is a six and six team that makes its way back into a bowl game. I will tell you this. You're going to look at the November 11th game against Pitt in Yankee Stadium when that game comes, and Syracuse is probably at that point five and four, four and five, somewhere in there, and you're going to be questioning why you forfeit a home game to play a game in Yankee Stadium again. This is not a nuanced thing anymore. You play in Yankee Stadium seemingly every two years, whether it be uh, a game against you know Notre Dame or a game against Pitt now or a bowl game uh, in the pinstripe bowl. You're playing pretty much every other year in Yankee Stadium. If I'm not wrong, I think it's like five times in the last 15 years they've played a game in the Dome or in the, in Yankee Stadium. It's not as cool as it once was. The nuance isn't quite there. This isn't a marketing thing. And you're forfeiting a home game and bringing, I mean, this is now a borderline home game for Pitt uh, playing in Yankee Stadium. You're, you're, you're bridging the gap there. I think it's idiotic. I think it's stupid. I think I'll talk about it more. Uh, but that's a game that I have circled right now as a, what, what are you doing? Because that is going to be a game that you wish was in the dome, especially, you know, in year two of decent performance with a team that has the potential to make a bowl game and should make a bowl game. So my prediction right now, I have them at six and six. Let's take a quick break. Let's talk a little bit about our friends over at LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's so easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs. It is too easy. That is what they are doing for you. You create the job, you add the or you add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile and spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions. They make it easy to focus on candidates with the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. The right team member is beyond important to your squad, just like with Syracuse football, just like with Syracuse basketball. Finding the right fit is paramount to your success. And that is why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. 
Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Owen oh, Valentine here on your Lockdown Syracuse Thursday. Doing a little mailbag episode. Just a little Syracuse football early record prediction. I am sure that will be revisited as the preseason ramps up. Uh, we continue to get more information. We get a little more intel on some of these opponents for Syracuse. This will not be the last time I make a record prediction. However, that's the first one. Six and six is what I'm saying right now. And honestly, it's more generous than I thought I would be. Uh, but we'll take that. In a second, let's go men's basketball. We got some questions to talk about from there. Let's take a look at Twitter because uh, I know there were a handful of big ones. We'll start with Cole Fluker. Is it only me that thinks this year's basketball team has a really high floor? We have size and athleticism in pretty much every player in a 10-man rotation, which means our defense has a lot of potential. We're seriously deep. If someone has an off game, pull it from the bench. So here's the thing. This is a team with depth like we have not necessarily seen in some time for Syracuse basketball. And depth has been a concern year after year after year in the closing, say, half decade of Jim Beheim's tenure at Syracuse. This team has depth. You look at the guard spot. You got JJ. You got Judah. You've got Chance Westry. You've got uh, Justin Taylor, who's going to sort of flex between the two and the three, can play the guard, can play the forward. You've got Quidier Copeland, who can mix in there. You've got options there at the forward between Benny, Malik. Um, oh, boy, Owen, it's been a while since we've talked basketball. Uh, oh, my. Justin Taylor. Malik Brown, Benny Williams, and Chris Bell at the forward spot, uh, being able to mix it in there. And then you've got depth at center in, in terms of um, Monir Hima, in terms of William Patterson, in terms of Naheem McLeod, in terms of Peter Carey. And you might even have some versatility in there. That depth is going to allow you uh, to, to bring that floor up a little bit without question. I don't necessarily know how high that floor is, and I'll, I'll tell you exactly why. And let me pull up YouTube because I want to give credit to whoever was commenting on this. And the comment basically said, and, and rightfully so, let's, let's hold our horses here and, and take a look at this non-conference slate for Syracuse because it is worth examining before I can give you a, a firm decision on, on how high we can place the floor because of the difficulty in the schedule. And it's Gabe Wendell over on YouTube asking about that Cuse NCAA non-conference schedule because this is a gauntlet. I talked about a three-game gauntlet for Syracuse football. Syracuse basketball is in such a tough boat as well. They open up with UNH and Canisius. Easy enough. Colgate has had Syracuse's number for far too long. I hope they get the revenge there. That's three games. From that point on, there's really only one gimme game on that schedule in terms of the non-conference slate. You follow up that three-game spurt against UNH, Canisius, and Colgate, which you better be 3-0 and at that point in time, going down to the Maui Invitational, where you've drawn Tennessee who I, I tweeted out was a top 20 team easily. And many people said, let's pump that. It's a top 10 team in Tennessee. 
you play following that game the winner or loser of Purdue and Gonzaga. You are very likely going to play two top 10, maybe two top 15 teams in your first five games for Syracuse. Syracuse has had great success in the Maui. I will say that. But these two games, and then a third against whoever you might be playing uh, on the other side of that bracket, not exactly sure uh, who you'll get, but there are not gimme games on the other side, barring one, and that is if you lose both. And I don't want to see Syracuse in that boat. But that is a gauntlet, back-to-back, and then that third game, whoever you might play. Then you get LSU in the ACC-SEC Challenge. That is um, a pretty favorable matchup for Syracuse. It's a team that I believe was outside Ken Palm's top 150 last season in LSU. Uh, They had a top 50 recruiting class, a couple of four-star guys that are decent, and some guys in the portal. So it's going to be, I believe they have eight new additions. Uh, I could be wrong on that, but I think it's two in uh, in the recruiting class plus five or six in the portal. It's going to be a very different LSU team. I think that matchup still favors Syracuse, but that is a very, very tough, uh, the possibility of a very tough matchup just because of the question marks and the little that we know at this point in time because of the turnover, because of the new faces there. Then you've got an Oregon team who is very good. They were a top 50 team in Ken Palm last season. And they add the number eight recruiting class in the country with Kwame Evans, Jackson Shisted, or Shelstead, and Mookie Cook, all four-star guys. Kwame Evans is a top 20 player in the country. Jackson, they got three top 40 guys on this team, plus a couple of transfers in this recruiting class. They're top 10. That Oregon game, which was at one point going to be a fun, not that he was on this, this point, the Quincy Garrier return game even though it is uh, it is in Sioux Falls, uh, but not at either spot. Would have been a fun one. And then you close out the non-conference slate with Niagara. So when you chalk up your gimmies, you got UNH, you got Canisius, and you've got Niagara. That's three gimme games. Colgate should be a gimme. I want to mark it as a gimme, but recency tells me no. That's a toss-up-ish game. That's probably a 60 or a two-thirds, one-third in favor of Syracuse. And I feel the same way about that LSU game at this point in time. So you got three gimme games, three two-thirds, one, or two two-thirds, one-third type games. And then you've got, I don't know, you're probably a, a 25% against Tennessee, maybe a 30% against Tennessee, and a similar number against Purdue and Gonzaga. Whoever that TBD game is, we'll see. And then that Oregon game is going to be very close to a toss-up, and that's all going to be dependent on what Syracuse does at the Maui. I mean, this is not an easy non-conference schedule, and it's a non-conference schedule that is going to put you into a tough spot or a really, really good spot. If you perform in this non-conference slate, you're heading into ACC play or ranked team without question. But you could very easily, and this is not what I think happens, but when you look at the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games on this non-conference slate right now, when you look at those nine games, you can see a world where Syracuse goes three and six, 
It's not what I think is going to happen, but there is a world where that happens, right? There is a world where they could easily go three and six, four and five in that slate. I don't think it will happen, but that is the type of schedule that they're putting together right now. That is what they're putting forth, and it is difficult. And I also, I've, I skipped over that. There's a Georgetown game in there as well uh, that they will win. Uh, I'll give them a win against Georgetown. I believe that is it um, in terms of the games that I I don't think I'm missing any, but if I am, let me know. Um, oh, the normal, this is last year's schedule on here. I'm trying to find another uh, another input here, but the complete schedule, let's see. Yeah, I'm over it. I am over it. So either way, one more game. We'll give them the win against Georgetown. That's a gauntlet. And it is something that will make or break Syracuse's season, even with as good a squad as we think they have. And they can be right now. Now, the final question was also uh, from our friend over on Twitter. That's Cole uh, saying, assuming Jay, Jalil Bethea commits, that's very optimistic. Um, who besides Judah can free up the two scholarship spots? It's going to be real painful watching any of our guys transfer out. Are they banking on JJ to be league bound? That still leaves one spot. So this is the question. And it is a question that we've, we've visited before. And a question that we will revisit again. Because I, I know this is an issue. And when you look at this and you're, you're trying to piece this all together, Right, you've got your your thirteen scholarships: Judah, JJ, Chance, Quadir, Kyle, Cuff, Benny, Chris Bell, Brown, JT, Monier, Naheem, Peter, Carey, William, Patterson. There's your thirteen scholarship spots. You don't have seniors, right? You're you're not losing guys to that at this point in time. You're going to have some juniors that will become seniors, but you're losing no one. And you're trying to bring in a recruiting class of three players in Elijah Moore in, as you predicted, very optimistically per se, um, in terms of Adjilil Bethea. Sorry about that. And then as you throw in the mix, uh, the biggest name in Syracuse recruiting class right now in Donnie Freeman. Now, that would be a huge commitment. I want to throw this out there. Jalil Bethea, who is uh, still, still climbing um, on the rankings. He's top 20 on 24-7. He is absolutely outstanding and continues to just grow and, and improve. And, and you see those numbers uh, continue to jump. He is number 12 in on three's industry ranking. He's 15 and on three, uh, 18 and 24-7, number nine in ESPN's ranking, 15th on Rivals. He is very much in the mix with Syracuse right now. But the question is, how are you freeing up those spots? So you need to get three roster spots, three scholarships available. One of them you can assume is Judah Mitz. There's your one. There's still two more. My prediction and, and this is, you know, people don't like to hear it. But in, in today's game of basketball, in today's era of college athletics, the transfer portal is gigantic. It is. It's huge. And what you're going to see, 
And what you have already seen is people leave and, and people transfer out. And, and you saw it this season, uh, right? You, you saw how many guys leave this year? Four guys with Gerard, Symir, Jesse, John Bull. Four guys out, uh, right? It, it's happening. It, it's going to happen every single season. You're going to have guys transfer in and out. You had two guys, um, or only one guy transferred in 2022. In 2021, you had four guys transfer out. No, yeah, four guys transfer out in Kadari, uh, Quincy, Bobby Braz, and then Woody Newton. Right? The transfer portal is huge. And without you having to sit with immediate eligibility, with all of these things factoring in, you're going to have guys transfer. And I, I like this squad. I like this group, which makes it tough to have to see guys transfer out. But I look at a situation, uh, especially in that center spot, with, with guys like Peter Carey and William Patterson, who are, are not really going to play above Naheem and Monir at this point in time, in most people's eyes. That is a prime position to see someone transfer out. You look at the forwards. You've got so many sophomores on this team, or redshirt freshmen, in, you know, in J.J. Starling. In Kyle Cuff as a redshirt sophomore, in Quidier Copeland, in Justin Taylor, in Malik Brown, in Chris Bell, I would expect someone from that group, especially the non-transfer ins to Syracuse, to depart. And that would be the tougher of these transfers to see go. Uh, but I would assume that someone in that group is likely going to be upset with the minutes that they get. And that is just going to be the way things go because of the depth on this team. And you're not graduating players. And because of that, I would assume someone from the centers, especially Peter Carrier, William Patterson, will depart, which gives you your second scholarship. And your third scholarship will likely come from the likes of Quidier Copeland, Justin Taylor, Malik Brown, or Chris Bell. I would predict Quidier Copeland. I think I've said that in the past. That one would hurt. I love Quidier Copeland. I like the play style. I like what he does. I like his energy, the spark, the way he was a contributor, even when he wasn't playing from the bench last season with energy, with celebrations, things like that. He seems like the odd man out in terms of minutes at this point. And I could be wrong. And I hope I'm wrong because I want to see him play and stay. But that's sort of where I fall at this point in time. All right. That'll do it for today. Uh, you're locked on Syracuse Thursday. Thank you so much for making Locked on Syracuse your first listen today and every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. I'm Owen Valentine. I will see you tomorrow. Thank you for listening. Be kind. Make somebody smile today. Have a great day. Uh, enjoy it. And we will be back.